1: I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on the show, we have a real treat for you. A two-parter with the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Mike Isratel. That's right. He's back for two episodes. I have been struggling myself personally with the ideas in the healthy at every size movement. So Mike and I break it down this week. You get the pros. Next week, you get the cons. Stay tuned. Dr. Mike Isretel, welcome to the American glutton podcast. Ethan, thank you so much for having me on. I have been battling with myself. Uh, this idea of healthy at every size. I never really thought about it. And I saw this uh, article in Cosmopolitan magazine, which I didn't even read, but there was a picture of a big gal and it said, this is healthy. Unfortunately to me, that just read her obesity is healthy. And I suddenly had a lot of different ideas about this. And I reached out to a number of people in the healthy at every size community. None of them wanted to talk to me. I think because my show is called American Glutton, so they might think I'm automatically demeaning them by using the word glutton, though I'm not. Anyway, you have pros and cons that I want to talk to you about.
0: Yeah. Did they know that you were formerly very obese? Did you present yourself as that when? E-
1: e- yes, I actually just didn't get a response from the
0: three gals that I reached out to. And these are kind of well known in the industry, sort of yeah. in that community. Yeah. Oh, what a trip. Well, unfortunately, you got me instead. Thank God. So I feel like I could probably have a more open conversation with you about <laughs> this. Maybe, maybe. I- I'm hoping so. Yeah. And you know, your suspicion is probably correct because I think there's there's a ton of emotion around that issue, and it's is sort of rightly so. I think, and you and I were sort of talking about this earlier, off off the record, is that generally have a very bimodal structure to the conversation in, in America, where one side is like people who maybe maybe politically tend to be more conservative, and they're inclined to really push. The notion of responsibility, they're comfortable with blame and shame, and they're kind of in that perspective where, like, you know, if you're fat, it's your fault, you caused this, and being overweight is somehow morally inferior. And, you know, they'll say things like, you know, just eat less and move more and shut up and take responsibility, you're just lazy, blah, blah, blah. And those folks, you know, they're difficult to have a conversation with to begin with, they're not so much into conversing. yeah. And then on the other side, you have folks that are usually a little bit more on the political left more often than not, and uh, they tend to be just um, unbelievably compassionate people, but just like you could say there is a sort of toxic masculinity of an excessive judgment of people and an excessive just like nut up, like Navy SEAL type of mentality, I think there's, you could surmise there's sort of a toxic femininity on the other end where the amount of compassion and empathy and sympathy gets to such high levels that you can't really sort of discern optimal versus suboptimal approaches anymore. Everything is okay. You know, it's okay if you weigh 200 pounds, it's okay if you weigh 600. And yeah, at some level, and we'll get to this in a sec, they do have a point, but all discernment about what is truly healthy for the body seems to go out the window. And there becomes this attitude of, judging someone is the worst possible thing you can do. And that makes discussions between those two camps very, very difficult. And as you said, you reached out even to the compassionate camp and they wouldn't sort of have you probably like you surmised. They, they thought you were from that like psycho Navy seal, a thousand pushups a day camp. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, listen, I
1: am a believer in, for me, the be strong, be responsible, works where i am today but it would have been totally useless to me 20 years ago totally so i i don't think it's i don't think it's the the i don't think it's a one a one kind of a, a, a blanket approach that is just like everybody should just
0: personal responsibility be hard be Absolutely. tough I, for me that's not true that makes a lot of sense and so you pointed out the one thing that through different when you were in different emotional places you might have responded differently to these things There's another layer of there that you don't necessarily typify the average person who struggled with obesity. And there's probably many sort of archetypes of people that respond to different things. And they all have different times in their lives where they would respond more to one than the other. So it's certainly more complicated than there's just this one completely correct answer. There's tons of individualization. But for all all of the flack that the sort of purposefully ignorant, militaristic style of fat shaming – Gets, it probably has some elements of validity to it. There are are elements in this world, parts of our universe that are tough, and reality can be tough sometimes, and it's still true. On the other hand, it's easy to paint Hayes' health at every size movement into this corner of just like rabid, insane social justice warrior like lunacy. Where they also make some excellent excellent points, so I think maybe you and I could take some time today, yeah. to sort of uh, I'll get, at least give you my uh, probably biased perspective uh, or just very not very whole a complete perspective of some of the real upsides of the Hayes movement and some of the things that the Hayes movement, in my view, gets a little bit off the mark, yeah, and then maybe at the end we can talk about, okay, for someone who is either struggling with obesity themselves, struggling with their body image themselves. Or is in a community or in a a home where someone is, uh, how do they go about relating to themselves or other people to get the most value out of what Hayes has to contribute and kind of leave some of the more wacky or less effective stuff at the door? Yeah. Perfect. This is
1: the conversation I want to have. Super. I'm sorry I wasn't one of your
0: top recruits.
1: I, I mean I, I didn't think like <laughs> we want to talk about Hayes doctors
0: or tell us the guy to talk about <laughs> right this with. but it well, sounds like you are it, I have done a considerable amount of, of thinking about this for sure yeah so let's talk about I've got six points that Hayes I think gets very very correct
1: okay good and and I just want to say there are even things that you just said that I want to add to and back up and discuss but I, I, let's get
0: through this first first super and okay. any i'll leave i'll put each point as its own and we can talk about each point right after okay so, so yeah because there's lots to say yeah so hayes one of the things that does well is that it's pushed for the elimination or at least reduction of hostility towards overweight people and they basically have a push to treating people like like people, you know, it's almost like if you see that that old guy in your com, you know community who like walks a tiny dog and yells at it a lot and pulls his chain really hard, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? Right. <laughs> like when you see people ridiculing fat people, you're like, you know, I missed the memo where we're still in seventh fucking grade. Like you just as an adult, you're not fucking mean to people. That's considered immature, and more importantly. Because look, like if being mean to fat people was quote unquote for their own good and then they lost weight and thanked everyone that was ever mean to them for pushing them with tough love, that would be one thing. But at least for a vast fraction of people who are overfat and overweight, that sort of meanness results at best in uh, uh, in an experience that is neutral towards motivating to their goals and is unpleasant on the emotional valence. And at worst, and very often, actually pushes people away from doing anything about it. Like, you know, it, it, people have sometimes have a very simplistic view of human nature, simplistic enough to where like, you know, like if you're a dad and you've got like a goth kid and you're like, God damn it, Billy, do your homework. Like how many times is Billy like, well, okay, you yelled loud enough that time and he just starts to be a good student. I don't think he works like that. I think a lot of negativity sometimes can work but often breeds kind of like uh, a recession of those people away from even trying to address their body image cuz every time they address it it's really bad and i think hayes is really awesome at being like look like let's just stop being fucking mean to people and that's a great point right
1: maybe <laughs> i think so to to that point i think we've as a society gotten really good at like not demeaning people over immutable characteristics and then there's this kind of line with being overweight where it's like well one team says this is not an immutable characteristic and and the person is utterly responsible for it and so because of that we've determined that it's bad and they should be shamed and i think you're i think you're totally right because for me the idea of you know having this idea that societally i am bad because of my weight certainly was something that limited my desire to be out in public participating in society. Sure. So I think that is a huge benefit if we're going to say, like, treat these people well, treat them decently, and at the end of the
0: day, hopefully the people who are in it are feeling good about themselves. Yeah. And even if they're not feeling great about themselves, at least by treating them decently, you're on sort of solid ground with them. And you can begin, if you're really passionate about advocating for healthier lifestyles, Essentially, if you want to convince them to become healthier, at least not being a piece of shit to them is a pretty good start. Yeah, you know, like if you're like giving out pamphlets for like, let's turn our society into a Marxist society. You don't come up to a guy in a BMW like, "Hey, you rich piece of shit, we're gonna kill you when we're take over." By the way, here's a pamphlet. Right. <laughs> you you come up and you're like, "Hey, like, listen, you know, like." you seem like a normal person. You seem pretty reasonable. And have you ever like felt a little guilty about being super rich and stepping on the little guy? And he'd be like, Oh, maybe I have like, well, here's this pamphlet. Like anytime you try to convince people calling them, like, you know, everything that fat, fatter people are called. It's just not a good way to get people to pay attention and give uh, a flying fuck.
1: This, this was kind of where I got to with the opposite of this, because for me, this Cosmo article, by saying this is healthy, I could just hear a chorus of voices from the other side going, no, it's not. You're lying. You're wrong. Right. Here's why it's bad. And so I suddenly was like, God, I'm th- really thankful that right now I don't have to think about this in the same way that I did t- years ago when I was f- overweight. Yeah. I, I mean, I still am technically overweight.
0: Yeah. Really over 9% fat. body fat doesn't count anymore.
1: Right. It would have... It wouldn't have made me feel good. It would have made me defensive against the people saying, for "No, sure. it's not." And that makes total sense. Number two, is this being recorded? Yes, it is. I had to check because I have done this before and Just not an awesome recorded conversation it. Yes. No recording. I am the engineer today for everybody who's <laughs> listening.
0: So, number two, thing that I think Hayes gets really well is, uh, and this is actually a very profound realization. You know, people will look at the scale as an indicator of say health, they look at it for more, they look at it for moral worth, but you know, that's a whole can of worms. But even as an indicator of health, you know, the scale is a good indicator, a fine indicator, but it's not really like what's causing your improved health. You can continue to do the wrong behaviors and continue to check the scale. And it'll continue to say like, what's wrong with you. And to put it in, and analogically, you know, it's like checking the speedometer of your car without pressing the gas and be like, what well, it still says zero. Like, oh, no shit, motherfucker. But the speedometer doesn't actually make you go anywhere. The scale doesn't make you lose weight. Hayes is really, really awesome and has been about making sure that we don't lose focus on health behaviors make you healthier. Now, you can check the scale to keep them on track. We'll talk about that later and how to best use these things. But even if you don't ever use a scale, which Hayes advocates – it's actually like walking your dog every morning and having healthy, balanced breakfasts and not overindulging like crazy and losing yourself and not being mindful of your eating. That's the stuff that actually makes you healthier. So, you know, if I was consulting someone who was very obese and they wanted to lose weight, my first question, like if they just tell me they're obese I take them for the word. I'm not going to like, I I don't particularly care what they weigh. It's not my first like, well, how much do you weigh? And they're like, 301. I'm like, oh man, if it was 299, this would be a lot easier. My first question or series of questions is like, tell me about your lifestyle, right? Because if their lifestyle is seemingly very healthy already, like we have an interesting problem on our hands. But if their lifestyle is like, well, I usually wake up covered in Twinkie dust and that's how I start my day. Like, all right, we have a low hanging fruit here. So I think Hayes is really good about bringing up to people like, like, yeah, the scale exists and, Yeah, They go considerably further in that direction of the scale shouldn't exist, but they do make an excellent point that, like it's the behaviors that lead to the scale going up and down to begin with, and it's the behaviors that alter your health. So let's focus on the behaviors. So if you talk to someone from the Hays thing and you say, look, I weigh, they'd be like, I don't want to know what you weigh, but I would like to know how you're eating and let's maybe improve it. And I think that's a really wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. So the way I would think about that, I totally agree I have gotten to the point now where I can use the scale as a resource to determine that I'm moving in the direction I intend to be moving in. But I will say that it's still something I mentally have to work through because if the number isn't lower every time and it's not. It's
0: never lower every time. Right.
1: (laughs) This causes me mental anguish. That is a reaction that I have to then go, stop. Why are you feeling that? This is not real. This is not what you want. This isn't even the goal you want. You
0: didn't want it lower today. Sure.
1: Why are you rooting for it
0: to be lower? Yeah. If we only took the opposite of the Hayes mentality, the sort of like militaristic mentality, I mean, I suppose the correct thing is to weigh yourself and feel like a piece of shit when you're too heavy and really wallow in your shittiness and let it poison you and let it motivate you to not be <laughs> such a piece of shit. Yeah. It's all, it all seems really bad. You yeah. Know? So, and at the end of the day, if you have a weigh and that's a little heavier, the only thing you have to come back to is, okay, am I doing the things, the positive things like eating well and being active in my life to make sure that overall I'm healthier. And if the answer is yes, then don't fucking worry about the scale says. Cause clearly you're doing the right stuff. Right. So, okay, good. So two points two pro haze. Yep. Point number three, and Hayes is probably their biggest, this is actually sort of a part of their acronym is what they really mean here, is it's health at every size. And what I believe that's supposed to mean is you can engage in health behaviors at any size and they'll still make you healthier even if you don't lose weight. And that's completely true. So for example, if you stay at 400 pounds, but you used to eat a ton of processed sugars, a ton of like preserved meats, uh, fast food, and you were, weren't active at all, even if you increase the amount of food you're eating but increase your physical activity and you're eating mostly healthy foods now, whole grains, fruits, veggies, stuff like that, even if your caloric load is high enough to keep you at 400 pounds, you're going to be measurably healthier, especially after several months of that and continuing on, than you would be eating like shit Hayes, I think, in many cases comes as a reaction to viewing weight as the only factor for health. But if that was the case, you know, my wife, who's a medical doctor, when she used to treat, like, bottom-of-the-rung drug addicts in Philadelphia, I mean, some of them weigh, like, 120 pounds. Like, was she supposed to be, like, well, marked healthy? Like, no, right. no. Because their blood work is like a clown car of shit you're not supposed to see in blood work. And, like, this person is very close to death. <laughs> but they're 120 pounds, yeah. right? Just the same way, if you are 400 or 300 pounds and you live a healthier way, you absolutely can be healthier. Now, of course, we'll talk about later, the ultimate combination is to control your weight to uh, lower range and engage in those behaviors doing it. That's the ultimate. Then you get both. You get the weight, uh, sort of the, the weight mitigated part of the health or the weight controlled part and the independent part. But Hayes is very good at pointing out that like, look, Even if you forget about your weight for a second, it turns out eating better foods and being more active and having a healthier psychological relationship with yourself, better sleep habits, that's just better for you. It's just better, not only because it reduces your weight. Even if it doesn't, it's better. And that's important to remember. Yeah. Okay, great. Another point that I can utterly relate
1: to because I now at 250 am – physiologically much healthier than I was when I was just chasing the lower number and got down to, like, 215. My blood was not as clean, and I wasn't actually eating in... I mean, I was starving myself, basically. Sure. And still wasn't having all the results that I am now at a heavier weight. That's awesome. That I feel better about and have a, a better uh, bill of health from my doctor. Yeah, that's so awesome.
0: Great. And that's something that has to be remembered because a lot of that, so it's funny, like that Cosmo article of the larger woman on, and it says, you know, this is healthy. There's plenty of technical critique to level at that. We will later, but her blood work could be very good at the time or just pretty good. And within the range of what's normally healthy, people have a tendency to view people that are over fat and be like, well, they're unhealthy. Like, yeah, some of the behaviors that cause overfatness will eventually make them unhealthy. The excessive adiposity of excess fat tissue will for sure make them much less healthier later, but, like, maybe they're not so unhealthy now, and here's a real trip, maybe they were double that size before, and this is their lower weight, and maybe they're quite healthy, way healthier than before, and eating healthy and being active, and, man, pretty damn healthy so we shouldn't only only use body weight because i think for some people it's just a lazy person's easy proxy metric of health. and also, let's be honest, of, of moral judgment. You know, even people with just shit eating habits and maybe a drug habit to boot, with just decent genetics for not getting fat, will like be at an Applebee's and a fat person walks in. They're like, Phew. "Well, you can't smoke at an Applebee's anymore." But let's assume this <laughs> is the '90s. They'd be like, "Fucking that motherfucker! It's super unhealthy to be like that. Like motherfucker, what do you know about health? You're gonna die like tomorrow at this rate." But because they're skinny, everyone's like. Sort of gives them a free pass, right? So, so I think that's definitely a good point on that. And and this was
1: kind of the point I raised, which was I don't know what her what it looks like under her hood. I don't know. I haven't seen her blood, so I look at this picture. The the gal was actually doing a crazy yoga thing where she was her leg was cocked up behind her and she was holding her toe over her head. I can't do shit like that. Me neither. And I was like, fuck, man. If they're saying she's healthy, she's healthy. Now, I understand that the the message, like if you had a guy smoking a cigarette and it said this is healthy, I'm going to zoom in and go, they're saying cigarettes are right. healthy. And this was very clearly saying her being overweight yeah. was healthy. I understand that. My point, which I got a ton of of pushback on and people sending me this article, like Harvard has determined that statistically, if you're overweight, you are unhealthy. And I go like, you will be eventually. You will. Yeah. My, my argument wasn't being over fat is healthy. My argument was I'm looking at her yeah. and I don't know if she's, maybe unhealthy. she's healthy. That's absolutely that was my
0: point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, okay. Point number four. Okay. Hayes is really good at recognizing that some people, Hayes would go further than this and say all people or most some people have built up a toxic and ineffectual relationship with their weight and the scale, the counter movement to Hayes, the equally uh, biased movement, but to the other direction tends to just kind of brush that aside. Like I don't, I don't even know what, like imagine putting an obese woman on a scale she sees 270 and she starts crying what would the haze opposite people say to that they'd probably be like don't fucking cry just don't fucking eat that much like why are you crying you know you should cry before you have that next twinkie or some stupid shit and it's like yeah but maybe if it's that painful to step on the scale we could start to think we could at the very least accept the current reality like um arachnophobia or something, which Jared Feather, your coach, actually has. <laughs> Does joke. No, oh, yeah. Wow. Bring him a spider one Good time it'll know, be really yeah. fun. He might actually pass out. I not. know what to get him for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Live spider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just like with arachnophobia, it is treatable. And absolutely a poor relationship to the scale is treatable, for sure, in almost everyone. But you don't exactly start day one of arachnophobia treatment by throwing live spiders at someone's face. <laughs> And you don't start out people who have a real nasty relationship with the scale just be like, well, shut up, that ass and get on the scale. Like, fuck. First of all, that violates point number one of what Hayes is good as is fucking decency and humanity. Right. So, But you'll understand that it can be such a whirlwind toxic relationship that maybe you don't get them on the scale at first. Maybe you'll never have to, but maybe if you're the coach or something and or if just a friend and trying to help someone along, like imagine someone messaged you, and I'm sure you get messages this little time like Ethan, you know your journeys were really inspiring to me i you look amazing, congratulations, um just get me into Hollywood man, I want roll. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but <they're laughs> talk to talk to someone they're like, listen, i um I can't get on a fucking scale bro like i'm I don't wanna fucking see those numbers. it's gonna fucking break me. you're probably not like. Shut up, pussy. <laughs> no. You're probably like, listen, just start just eating a little healthier. Yeah. Just getting some physical activity going, something you like, and there's no pressure in the world. You can take forever or you can take three days, just a little bit. And then after three months of them like feeling their swag in the gym and eating better, then they maybe notice like, oh my God, my clothes are loose. Like, And then they're like, Maybe I should step on a scale. And then you're like, what was it last time? They're like, it was 402. That's why I don't want to see it again. They step on the scale, it's 368. They're like, oh, and all of a sudden, just like that, it's not a negative relationship anymore. Now it's still a complicated relationship, right? But at the very least, it's like we put in all the work before. There's no need to just get on the scale. It's so funny because people that are obviously, clearly, considerably overweight, for some reason feel the need to like, and when they're at their ready to like lose weight point, like I need to get on a scale like like for commemorative purposes so you can right. tell people how much weight you really lost, sure. But if you're in an emotional place with a scale, which Hayes is really good at recognizing, that's not ideal, fuck the scale. We don't need that thing. Like we can use it as a tool later, but using a tool means you're emotionally apt enough to use it and it's okay to not be. You don't have to use the scale. I totally I think this is super valuable to a lot of people.
1: I believe like the the fundamental is changing habits like beyond everything else if you're if you're having any issue physically that seems insurmountable start with something really small. If if you're trying to tackle this big number that that is kind of arbitrary to a degree. Totally.
0: You could just set yourself up for like a task that's overwhelming. Oh sure. Could be overwhelming in day one just because the numbers are so scary to begin with.
1: Yeah, and I think I think your that's that whole point is super valid. I had a guy message me recently who had started working out, and his goal was involved body fat percentage. And he finally went and did a, I think it was a three D scan at oh. his gym and was very unhappy with this result and felt those like things are it. dog shit by the way I, that's what i said i said the the i said on a dexa scan right now i'm nine percent on a 3d scan i'm like 26 percent yeah how the fuck right. i i mean you see my abs yeah. i can't be 26 the dexa literally
0: scans your fat yeah so it goes through your body and, and scan can't do that
1: and while i think scales are probably more reliable sure i i think when we're talking about numbers The point for me of having a low body fat percentage is visible abs. If I get visible abs at eighteen percent
0: body fat, that's perfectly fine with me. Cool. Yeah, they can say whatever. A lot of the it's funny. A lot of the bodybuilders at the very top get asked questions of what their body fat percent is, and almost none of them know. Right. Like I don't. You watch this. They pull up. They have striations in each ab. Like, and that's my okay. Not (laughs) apparently not. Right. Exactly. So so yeah. All right, point number five, second to last point, positives of haze, and there are more positives. This is just kind of my top curated list. Yeah. Is that um, the notion of getting away from moralizing your journey from less healthy to more healthy, specifically as an example, and this has many facets, like good and bad foods. I mean, like, what the fuck is a good and bad food? Like, are we reading, like, you know, like children's fairy tales, like this is a bad, evil mistress, since of course she's wearing darker colors and she's nominally older. And like, that just teaches kids, like, these are bad things at the darkness. Like, you're not fucking six anymore. Like, is pizza bad? Like, you no, know, it's fucking delicious. Does it comport well with my current goals while I'm on this pushing phase of a fat loss diet? It does not. It doesn't mean it's bad. Like, imagine if you had to split people into good and bad It'd be like um a boxer is he bad or good You're like i don't I think he's employed as a boxer. I have no idea if he's bad or good. Like, well, boxing, that it hurts people. Like, yeah, but I think that they're voluntarily. It's at least more complicated, possibly. So for some reason, there's easily as many foods as there are archetypes of people. Like, is a police officer good? Is a, cop, is, a, is a firefighter good? Is a doctor good? Like, I don't know. If he's the psychiatrist that makes fun of you when you're in the ward, maybe not, but maybe he helps. So for some reason, we're f- totally fine as mature adults. Like, if you ask someone, like, hey, like, you Know is, is a, someone who's employed as an accountant. Is that like a good job or a bad job? They'd be like, um, it's a job. If I need my accounting done, I think they're good. Right. If I need my like, if I need something heavy lifted onto a shelf, I think probably just not the guy for the job, right? Yeah. If and, they work for the IRS, bad, <laughs> real bad. If you know them, they know you. You're in a <laughs> yeah. world of hurt. So at the same time, we seem to slip up with foods, whereas like an, an intelligent, well-meaning adult, it was, like, okay, accountant, good or bad? He'd be like, this is a comical question. Why ask me? You look, like, okay, pizza, good or bad? He'd be like, bad, bad for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's got cheese and stuff in it. Cheese yeah. is bad. Like, well, yeah. Like, why is it bad? Like, well, because it, it makes you fat. Like if you eat a lot of it, like, right. right. Like if you hang out with a lot of accountants, maybe you'll be miserable, <laughs> yeah. right? but one at a time, they're fine. So it's this kind of thing. And, and not only, is the morality or moralization of food absurd, it's also wildly ineffective because you as an adult can choose foods based on what effect they have without a need to moralize. I think we bring into adulthood oftentimes things we should have discarded in our childhood. Like children do not have the mental faculties To assign probabilities and lists of effect and being like, okay, this is what I need to get this job uh, job done right now. The Fucking kid's not going to think like that. Like, okay, strangers are bad. They're like, got it. So when they see a stranger, they have this emotional aura of like bad, 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 walk away because they can't discern. But adults can fucking discern. You can know when an ice cream cone fits your macros and and calorie allotment and if it's going to make you feel like you want more ice cream or not. It's not good or bad. It's just like, this is like for me right now or not it's it's almost like this um you have someone who's watching tv like not late at night but it's like getting to be close to bedtime and they're an adult you just pop in like randomly as a scientist be like hello is watching tv good or bad you be like um it's fun but you can do too much of it like if i just didn't stop watching tv until five in the morning and then I had to go to work it would suck but like that means it's bad right like well no, if I just use it properly, it's great. And it'll go, but it's sleep is bad, cause TV's better. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like right. if sleep's good, like yes. So Sleeping Beauty had the best life because she was asleep for decades. But like, no, what? That's a fucking coma. Right. So why do we do that with food? Like is good, like is it? It's but it accomplishes a certain task. So yeah. just seeing food more, more logically and to Hayes' point, less emotionally. Man, this is a good fucking idea for adults. Doesn't work well for children. Um, because you know, imagine explaining it to a four-year-old. Like, is pizza bad, mommy? Be like, well, in certain context, macronutrients. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Pizza's not good for you right now, but later it will be. Some shit like that. Right. But we don't speak to adults like we speak to children. We also don't shame adults much and and berate them. But that was point number one of Hayes being like, can we? just fucking treat people as humans a part of that also includes humans treating themselves as adults and being like you know i'm gonna think about food instead of feel about food yeah
1: i love this and this this is i feel like many diets or or regimes or or fad trendy things that are either actively trying to sell you something Mm -hmm. or making a moral determination on your behalf will it's a good way to put it (laughs) will suddenly demonize a food or a food group and say this is bad and here's the evidence and here are the reasons and let's think of this type of food as bad and for me, I came to this realization partially due to you and and looking at some of the stuff you talk about. Your biggest mistake in life. I mean, I regret it every day. It's <laughs> life is so much harder having to determine what is right for me at the time. Not really, but it, but there is a sense sometimes of the ease of letting somebody make
0: these determinations for you. Morality is easy because it's just plus and minus, good and bad. You just stay away from the bad and stay to the good. You're all set. Right. But But also with
1: with obesity, at the end of the day, I I go like, I can't drink. I'm a sober person. Uh And I have determined through many experiences, years of experiences, that I don't do well drinking. Alcohol isn't bad. My wife drinks. Right. I watched her drink two cocktails last night. and so what, what kind of selfishness? I know? mean, it had no awful effect on her. Sure. So, so I think in, in the same way, you know, salt – You need some salt. Without some salt, your electrolytes are off. You'll dehydrate. Totally. But you can die if you consume too much salt.
0: Totally. So is salt good or bad? Like anything. It's just about dose, duration, exposure, and goals. Yeah. And where you are in your life. You know, it's funny. uh, When I was contest prep dieting, every now and again, I would have an interaction where people where, like, you know, say I'm on an airplane and sitting next to someone, and apparently I have that kind of face that attracts conversation or something <laughs> like that. I don't. That's the real joke. If anyone knows what I actually look like, I've been fucking never talked to that guy. He looks like he's, like, a, a, an abandoned war machine project or something. But um, we talk to someone, and inevitably, like, the conversation steers and quite clearly. Um, you know, they think, oh, this man is some sort of relevance to the fitness industry. And, you know, the they'll start eating whatever food they have, and maybe the, on an airplane they'll be brought food. And they go, this is bad, right? Like, you don't need this. And I like get I've occasionally been like, you know, it's actually totally fine. And you're super healthy. Are, am I, are, you, are, you, are you active? And they're like, oh, yeah, I mountain bike. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Not only is it great, I'm going to watch you eat it.
1: Yeah. Because I can't
0: currently have this kind of shit, damn it. <laughs> so live your life. You know, it's beautiful. Ice cream is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, a ton of ice cream, way too much of it over years and years and years can get you into a, a a morally no worse place, but into a place where you're not as healthy as you could be and you can't enjoy life as much. Right. So. But even there,
1: I see a person, we've we've universally seemed to have decided that cigarettes are bad. Sure. This seems to be the consensus. Yeah. Unhealthy across uh, for most people. For most, yeah. Right. Even that has a context though. Even that has a context. So all of these facts, so I look at something like obesity will tend over time to give you adverse effects in the health department. I still think that making a moral determination on this makes no sense for me because- If you have a guy who plays video games for a living and really likes eating pizza and doesn't care today about his health, whose job is it to say what you're doing is wrong?
0: Yeah. I mean, okay, so this is flawless because you just ported us right next to the next point. Okay. This is the last point for the... the Okay, sorry, yes. Uh, No, no, don't apologize. You did exactly. You did better than correct. Point number six is... I think Hayes, people do talk about this. I think the way in which they discuss it is uh, not sufficient, but I would like this addressed more, but I think Hayes definitely hints at it uh, significantly more than other factions, and it is that your body weight and your physicality and even your health don't have to, perhaps should not, but again, I don't like to be that preachy, have to have any connection with your any sense of deep value that you have because people's value to themselves is pretty important. Your self-esteem, they don't just mean like high school self-esteem. I mean deep shit. Like, do you feel like if aliens come down tomorrow and they're like, how are you doing in life? Are you going to be like, well, you're just skating by here. Or are you going to be like, you know, I'm a fucking pretty fucking good person, right? Like I got some shit in there. You know, I got some fucking worth. I don't think any weight or health or anything has to be valued like that. I mean, c- can you imagine seeing Stephen Hawking, particularly in his in his last days? Fuck. His, his 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 you know, when he was middle-aged. Like watching him in that fucking like super psycho wheelchair setup. He can't fucking talk. You'd be like fucking worthless, fucking pathetic. Okay, but "But that's a god. That's not a human being. He's 10 times what anyone's ever going to be worth.
1: I agree. And when I try to think about this and when I think of arguments to have, I butt up against this myself, which is Stephen Hawking had no power to control that state. And so how how do we – look – if if you had to wear a sign around your neck that said I have high cholesterol, if you have high cholesterol, maybe we start to think about people with high cholesterol differently. But if somebody tells me they have high cholesterol, I ha- I don't have the same reaction that I th- that I felt about myself when I was overweight. So I I totally agree with what you're saying. I just don't know how and I think their point is correct. It shouldn't have anything to do sure. with the value but then we have this other voice going, but you did it
0: to yourself. Yeah. Then we can get into a slightly more deep discussion of how much are you interested in having guilt play a role in your daily mindscape. Right. And the answer to that for most psychologically healthy people is at best a minimum, perhaps informative role, but a very controlled one. You don't want guilt and shame to be the predominant sensations you experience in regards to thinking about your self-image. Like... You know, I'll give you, you're an actually an excellent example of this. You, when you were at your fattest, you probably felt like shit about yourself. I did. Except almost everyone else, and I literally mean almost everyone else, worshipped you because you're a fucking legit Hollywood actor. People would look at you at the airport, and, they, you know, anyone who knew you, like, there's probably groups of people together, like, look at that fat guy. I'd be like, dude, that's fucking Ethan Suplee. Oh, my God, have you seen fucking blah, blah, blah movie? And he'd be like, oh, my God, oh, my God. All of a sudden, they, like, they want to talk to you to figure out, like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy. He's so fucking talented. And like, you're elevated to people. Whereas to yourself, you were just like a fat asshole who couldn't get his eating under control. And and
1: truly, part of what was alluring to me about being an actor was that it was at least some part of a distraction. Sure. So you look at me, and maybe you're th- seeing that actor before you see that fat guy. Sure, if that makes sense. Well, I think most people did that knew who you were. I hope that was my hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, so and so no but but like average Joe
0: guy who maybe doesn't have that, he's in a bit of a pickle. Yeah. Maybe for how other people see him maybe, but remember we're not ever responsible for for how other people see us. Sure. The real question is how do you see yourself? And if you're that fat guy You can see yourself in tons of different negative lights and there is no shortage of negativity with which to apply to yourself. I mean, if you think about how you're doing as a fat guy, just who has like a regular job, usually people end up being like, compared to what? And there's no shortage of people to compare yourself to. I mean, for all of us who think we're the shit, there's that one fucking Korean dude who like was a Navy SEAL a fucking doctor from Harvard and a fucking astronaut. Fuck. <laughs> hey, like, we all fail. I'm a piece of shit yeah. compared to that guy. All of us are. And then like, well, why in the fuck would you pick people above you to always make yourself feel like shit? And and by why, I literally mean mechanistically, what is the purpose of that? And someone could say like, well, it's to motivate me to do better. But like, how's that working? Like, it's not, it makes me feel like shit. Like, uh-huh. So maybe, And I think Hayes is pretty decent about at least suggesting this. Doing a little slate cleaning if you're not in a great place with shame and guilt is pretty fucking sweet. Where you, and I mean, I've done this in a formal sense of Vipassana meditation and Buddhism. And if you meditate long enough, all that stuff actually goes away. Like I currently, I sit here before you right now, honestly, I have no self-worth or value. Ethan, I just don't. Like, it's all layers. It's all figments. Dr. Mike is a fucking illusion as a YouTube character. Now, that's really who I am, quote, unquote. But then I can have another conversation where I'm much more empathic, much more compassionate. Like, my mom believes in Reiki, that Reiki comes out of her hands. I talk to her, like, and I literally reference the spirit world, which I straight up fucking don't believe in. But I can get with that frequency. Because at the end of it all, like if you ask me, like are you proud of like what you've accomplished? Like I can get into that mode where I'm proud or I can get into a mode where accomplishments are just these mechanistic things that I've done. And at the end of the day, there's no core to me that's like, oh my God, I feel capable. There's just quiet and a deep peace. Everyone has that in them. I think it's really awesome for people to find a bit more of that because a lot of times, People live in this world of fatness and thinness every fucking day. They wake up, they're like, I woke up today as a fat person. Like, it's a shell you have on, whatever. Yeah, you're also fat, but you're compassionate. You're a leader. You are super awesome. You have dark sides. You're complicated as fuck. You're not just one size. That's fucking crazy. So like the girl that on the cover that this is healthy what if they were talking about psychological health, bro? What if you like tripped on mushrooms with this girl and you took five grams and you were just crying because you're a fucking mess inside? And she's like, this is great. And you're like, whoa, you're really just not jilted at all. It's like, well, most most psychologically healthy person of all time like could use every drug and quit at cold turkey just because. And you're like, fuck physical health. This yeah. girl's the shit. Truly envious. 100%, that? right? So I think that a lot of people are so caught up in their value as a human, really relating to their body. And it's like, a, it's like a bird cage you can just open and let the bird fucking fly away. Like, you look at, like, I look at Bill Gates's body. What <laughs> the fuck? You know? This is some skinny fat nerd. I'd be like fucking pathetic, dude. Pathetic. He's a fucking living god. He could like blink, and I would just like he could buy me, and I would just <laughs> right. be sold somewhere. Like you go live in Saudi Arabia now. I sold you a sheik. Like it's a um, it's you know what the fuck like like you know great leaders like. You know, for those who are politically inclined to this direction, I'm personally not. Hillary Clinton, in some respects, of course, and many people listening, great leader. Uh, we'll do the opposite. Donald Trump, in some respects, great leader. What was their body composition? Donald Trump's a giant, fat piece of shit, and Hillary Clinton's a fucking, like, dying old lady. She's a fucking goddess in many respects. Like how many people does she have killed? You know, I'm <laughs> just yeah. kidding. Hillary, if you listen to this, please, for the love of God. No, but like, this is my et- suicide. <laughs> that's right. Literally. Um, <laughs> that's right. Suicide. quote Yeah. But people who are unbelievably accomplished, who have a uh, deep value, especially to offer others, their body composition is a dot, 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 or a question mark. You know, the person, one of the people that discovered the principles of computing, of computation, to which we owe everything, what does that guy look like? Fuck if I know, who gives a flying fuck video games that people play? Half the designers are fucking obese. Who gets you really care? Would you see a guy who built your favorite video game from scratch at the airport and be like, "Fucking that piece of shit? No, he'd be like, oh, that's Carl. What's his name? Like, oh, my God, you programmed Unreal Engine six. And he's like, yep, that's me. And you're like, can I please give you a blowjob in the bathroom? <laughs> right. And it's, it's so I think there's so many ways to see your value in other ways and also at a deep Buddhist level, which not everyone is ready for, which is totally cool to not have to see your value at all and to just be. And anything of those things is better than being like, I'm just my body weight. Like, imagine hiring a fucking interior decorator to make, like, your home look super sweet. And, you know, she's overweight and she just, like, does art. She's like, we're going to put this here, put this here, watch, we're going to open this window and you're like, <gasps> our house is a home and you like talk with her a little bit more as a person you're like dude you're wonderful and imagine her throwing in like she's like i'm not wonderful i'm fat you just be like i'm sorry how's that relevant at all who gives a fuck and i think more of that mentality can serve some people struggling really really well and i think hayes kind of shoots in that direction yeah i think that's all great super valid i I wanted to jump back
1: for one second to the getting rid of the scale, mm-hmm. um, and, and and I think this is a comes from a political leaning, which is if anything, if there's anything negative associated with anything, we just get rid of it, cancel it, or, or cancel it, or or like you know, the space is unsafe if this thing is not in proximity. Sure, the word trauma is used a lot, and and I just oh, wanted to, to say that. For things like PTSD, which is severe trauma, the the idea isn't that the people are no longer ever going to experience things that are going to trigger these memories, but the dose is either restricted at first and then doled out at first. Yeah.
0: And eventually it's maxed out.
1: That's right. So, like a guy who's coming back from war who's got PTSD associated with gunshots, you know, the idea isn't that he can never hear a car backfire because he'll lose his mind. So eventually we have to reintroduce this sound. So this thought just occurred to me that I think that the idea of removing these things that are upsetting and making them no longer exist is, is actually not even what
0: the psychologists do. Oh, they're psychologists that's it's not just uh, that's a different path, it's the literal backwards wrong path. Right. It is a path into a continual dependency on your psychoses. Yeah. Like if someone has arachnophobia, Jared Feather, if you were to try to get him to reduce that sort of behavior, maybe the first thing you would have him do is give him a bunch of coloring pencils or something and have him draw spiders. It's on his own terms. He can draw zero spiders or 10. He can make them not spooky or spooky. And then eventually you could have him read children's books about friendly spiders that, you know, don't have that spider creepy look, like more cartoon spider. And then he can watch a cartoon spider show about spiders a little bit scarier, but you're like, you know, it's all like, eh, it's just not the same anymore. And then maybe like a documentary series for children, so the spider's not eating birds or some shit like that <laughs> right. for adults, and about real spiders. And it's the first time of real spiders, but they're on the TV. It's all children's kind of uh, acting and then a real documentary. And then maybe he could go to a museum and see, like, taxidermied spiders. And then maybe to the zoo and see spiders behind this and that. After enough of that shit, man, you see a real spider, you're like, eh. But if you, are like, can't even color a coloring pencil spider in and you see a real spider, holy fuck. Yeah. But the point isn't to remove spiders from your environment entirely. It's to slowly reintroduce. I think the same thing probably applies with the scale. Yeah. If you're interested in using a scale, you weave it in slowly, hopefully with the guidance of a good coach or mentor or friend who ha- always helps keep the context like whatever. Uh, here's a really interesting one. If you live with someone who's you're super cool with and can do this with you, maybe they can keep track of your body weight. You just turn around on the scale and face the fucking other way and they write down the number. Right. Then you're at least used to like, getting on the scale. And then they'll say like, hey, like you remember you used to weigh 400, I guess. Like, you're going to want to see this number. And you turn around, it's 350. You're like, <gasps> and then that positive valence happens. And then all of a sudden, if you weigh in every couple of times, sometimes you look at the scale and you're like, this isn't that scary anymore. Yeah. Two years later, you're cool with the scale.
1: Yeah. I, I recently had a full physical and it was a day that I weighed in already at my house, and I got there and I had to have because I had to have blood work, so I drink water because I want my veins to be popping out. And so
0: I had water and to impress the nurse.
1: That's right. And so I, I went in and she was like, Oh, you got to get on the scale. And I said, Well, here's my weight. And she said, No, no, no. I'm not taking your word for it. Get yeah, on the no, scale. Are you
0: kidding me? And yeah. I was
1: like, I, I can't do that. If the number is different, it's going to be different. Sure. First of all, I'm dressed. I'm not taking all sure. my clothes off. Well, they don't care
0: at the doctor's office.
1: No. So I did literally that thing. I said, I'm going to get on and close my eyes. You write it down. I don't want to know what this sure. number is. But I think you know some version of that, uh, I have a lot of quote-unquote trauma associated sure. with these numbers. Sure, just the bad ma-
0: times. Right. You don't have to
1: call it trauma. Sure, mm. bad times. I don't... I even on maintenance now want, have a gut reaction when the number stays the same. Sure.
0: I can walk myself through that and not have it derail me. That took a lot of work. Sure. Some people can't, but maybe they'll get there eventually. And the answer may not be just completely restricting them from never using a scale again.
1: Yeah. So what you've done is you have made Hayes the most important movement of the 21st century, because these points are all so valid that I just write about to celebrate
0: them. them. I think Hayes should be in charge of the government writ large, <laughs> yes, the world government. Me too. The Great Reset or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Like whoever Bill Gates faked COVID, it was all for Hayes, right? Mm-hmm. So
1: now, now the revolution begins. Yes. <laughs> and now for the Q and A. This is a question from Scott. Hi, Scott. Hello, Ethan. I'm a huge fan of yours, and I really enjoy your information. Have you had a calcium heart scan? I have. In fact, my cardiologist was on this show early on. His name is Dr. Rico Semenini, and he performed my calcium heart scan. Yes, I have.
0: What does that do? Just curious. What, what's, it's looking for it's what? It's
1: looking for a buildup of plaque uh-huh. in your heart and around the arteries. Oh, well, yeah. I actually remember him talking about that. Okay. Yeah. I've done all the radioactive dye scans and stress tests. I beat all my friends at the stress test, which I was quite proud of. But yes, I have. Is that it? He just said, have you done this? That's all he wanted to know. Oh, okay. Yes, I have. It was very scary, but I have nothing to worry about. Too bad.
0: You mean scary waiting for the results?
1: Yeah, I mean, they look at your heart and they either tell you, like, you have a fucking time bomb sitting on the wall of your heart or you don't. And I didn't, which I was very happy about. Did I already thank Scott? I think you did. Okay. If you have a question that you would like me to answer on this program, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.